Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Well, a good Wednesday morning, and thank you again for tuning in to Mornings without Carmen. She is still on her vacation with her sister. I'm Paul Perot, the uh, producer of the show generally. Ryan's taking care of that today, so I can be your host. It's good to have you with us. Um, our, our Growing Your Faith First, again, you just heard it, but let's think about it some more. Growing Your Faith First is, uh, today is Matthew 24. Verses 35 and 36, heaven and earth will pass, will disappear. I, I'm so used to the translation that says pass away, but the translation we have up is heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. All right, let's look at this in context because it there, it bears a special meaning, and I think for us, During these troubled times, it bears a very special meaning. Now, you've heard me over the last few days, if you've been listening over the last few days, I've been kind of intentionally talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Again, very intentional, because if you look at Matthew, you'll actually see at the start of Jesus' ministry, he went through Galilee doing what? Proclaiming the gospel or good news of the kingdom. You see that phrase in Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35. If you go to the book of Mark, John the Baptist proclaimed, chapter 1, verse 15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel of the good news. And then in Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Now, I get it. Oftentimes, we'll shorten phrases because, you know, conservation of words to say the gospel of the kingdom of God, that that gets a bit long. So sometimes we'll just shorten it to say the gospel, which, okay, I get it. That's good. But there's a problem with it as well, because sometimes in our minds, if we overdo it, we can truncate the meaning of that. In other words, cut it short. And we're we're actually going to talk about how when we truncate a concept— how can lead to problems? We're going to do about that. Talk about that tomorrow when it comes to the issue of singleness and marriage and stuff like that. Now, back to what I was talking about. As I said, we often shorten a phrase like the gospel of the kingdom to just the gospel, the good news, and we can forget the what of the good news. In in, in this context, you know, we're, I'm thinking oftentimes we talk about the gospel, and we think, well, yeah, Jesus saved me from my sins. Yes, He does. True, true. But he saves you into what? That's where the gospel of the kingdom comes in. It's not something generic, not something that's feel-good. It's not one of those warm, fuzzy news stories you see at the end of the TV newscast, those kicker stories, as they're oftentimes called. That's just, you know, that nice little encouraging, uplifting thing. No, this is something big. God has been working toward this goal, the ultimate uplift, the redemption of us and creation into the new heavens and the new earth. Now, back to Matthew 24. 
Jesus and his disciples. They're in Jerusalem, right? It's right before the Passover, the one where he would be crucified. It was just, what, a day or so before that they did the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They thought things were on track, the disciples did. Any day now when Jesus will be recognized by the nation of Israel as their Messiah King. And they're walking through Jerusalem. They're seeing the temple, admiring the beauty. And they're pointing it to Jesus and said, yeah, it's going to be destroyed. Wait, what? Destroyed? But Messiah's here, right? The kingdom's coming, right? I can understand their confusion and them turning to Jesus asking, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? Jesus goes on for the rest of chapter 24 and 25 in Matthew talking about the events and signs of his coming. It's not a pretty picture, to be honest, of the world before his coming. A lot of struggles, a lot of tumult, trials, tribulation. But afterwards, Jesus will appear. He will usher in the kingdom of God. So, when will this happen? Answer, well, verse 36, the Father knows. Only he knows when he says so. Okay, to be honest, we're still asking this question 2,000 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. When will these things be? When will Jesus appear? (laughs) Our world, especially here in the West, seems to be moving away from God at quick pace. Yeah, there are wars and rumors of war right now. There's active pushback, not just on the people of God, but on God's ways. And, you know, oftentimes we're accused of being on the wrong side of history. You hear that a lot. You're on the wrong side of history. But Jesus was very emphatic in his encouragement. Be faithful to him, to the kingdom. Heaven and earth will disappear. My words, my promise, the kingdom is coming, will not disappear. He's coming back. God's kingdom will come. His will will be done. We're on the right side of history. That's good news. To which we say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. Yeah, the sale of ties and barbecue equipment is up. After all, Father's Day is this weekend. And for many, it's a fun time to celebrate dads, maybe even crack a few dad jokes. But for others... It's a painful time because their dads were either absent or abusive. It's become a growing problem in our culture, leaving large wounds with many children that are often carried into adulthood. What can we as God's people do to bring healing to this situation? Eric Swithin from the Alliance for Ending Fatherlessness joins me in one minute. Thanks again for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. When God created man, he created them male and female. He created a complementary relationship in humanity. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Now, similar in nature, but distinct in purpose, the male and the female were. And it goes beyond the biological act of bringing babies into the world. Each person brings unique aspects to the nurturing process of children. So what happens when one of them is gone? Especially in this case, we're going to talk about the dads. Back in mid-April, Carmen had an opportunity to talk with Eric Swithin. He's the executive director of the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. He joins us again as we get ready for Father's Day. Hey, Eric, thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. 
Thank you so much for having me. Now, when it comes to the issue of fatherlessness, this is a very personal issue for you, Eric. I want you to quickly tell us your story of growing up. I don't want to say fatherless, but it, it kind of was that way in reality. Absolutely. You know, my dad was pushed out by the family court system. You know, mom and dad went through just a really nasty divorce. In fact, that's my very first memory was sitting in family court. Mm. And so my dad might have had weekend custodies here and there. Once in a while, we'd spend a month or two with him in the summer. Uh, But over time, he grew weary and a lot of times couldn't afford child support. And one thing led to another, his own life circumstances. And so specifically in my teenage years, you know, he just was not there. He was out on the road as a trucker and I seldom got to see him or hear from him. And so I ran wild and barely survived it. And when I mean barely survived it, I mean, I was looking for validation and initiation in all the wrong places, be it with girls. Um, I was stabbed in a gang fight and almost murdered at the age of 17. And the list goes on. I tried to cram everything into my heart to fill my heart uh, that I could, whether it was going into the Marine Corps and trying to be a, a tough guy or in business, trying to make a ton of money. And ultimately, um, what God showed me is that I had a deep, deep wound from the absence of a dad. And I bought into some real serious lies that were impacting my life. You used a word there. I want to I want us to dig in a little bit. Validation. It, it's such an important part of a child's experience with parents, especially the dad. Why do you think that? Listen, the earliest definition of a fatherless kid, listen carefully, they were referred to as a kid without an author. And so the father was always viewed as the initiator, the one that brought validation and initiation to the son particularly, but to all the kids. And what that looks like is not just as a good example of what a man looks like and and all these types of things. But but that was one of the primary roles of the man was to prepare the young man in the house to become the man of the house. And also, I think even for girls, there's a validation there, too. When a father is there saying that you're precious, you're special, th- there's something that happens there as well, isn't there? It is so precious. My daughter, she asked me not that long ago, Daddy, can I marry you? And uh, <laughs> I, I realized, no, honey, you cannot. I'm madly in love with your mother. But first, we're their first example of what a godly husband looks like. And they are paying attention. They're so attentive to how we treat our wives and, and how we pursue the Father. My daughter interrupts my quiet time with the Lord every single morning. And sometimes I'll catch her out of the corner of my eye, just peeking around the corner and just watching me as I'm doing weird stuff, like getting on my knees or putting my hands in the air or whatever I might be doing. She knows that my one true love is our Heavenly Father. Mm. It, again, the the place of the father, just like the place of the mother, it's irreplaceable in, in many respects. And yet, okay, we're dealing with a broken world. There's a lot of broken families, a lot of broken situations. It'd be great to wave the wand and get families back together, everything be hunky. That's not happening. But when we continue talking with you, Eric, I want to dig into the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. Okay, we can't bring the children's biological dad in the situation all the time. 
But that doesn't mean fathering can't happen, and that's what we want to bring out when we continue our conversation here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Being father to the fatherless. That's what we're talking about this morning here on Faith Radio. As I continue my conversation with Eric Swithin from the Alliance uh, Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. Oh, I got to ask Eric, you know, Father's Day is on the way. You got how many kids do you have, Eric? I have two biological kids, uh, almost four and six. And then I've got seven unofficially adopted sons aging from 15 to 25. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Good thing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you've shared your fair share of father joke or dad jokes, haven't you? Man, I am the worst joke teller you've ever heard <laughs> in your life. Yeah. Okay, try one though. Right now, try one if you can. Oh man, no. I, I honestly, I'm drawing a total. Blank. Okay, never mind. Never mind. You, you know, you <laughs> you do know though what the defi- definition of father joke is, right? I don't. Well, at father joke, for something to qualify as a father joke, it has to be fully grown and apparent. <laughs> there you go. Had to throw Terrible. that in. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's the prerequisite. It has to be so bad that it still makes you laugh. <laughs> exactly. There you go. But let's get more serious here as we, we look at being father to the fatherless. That's something that you and so many others are working together. That's why it is called the Alliance for ending the fatherless epidemic. Yeah, we can't fix broken homes in most cases, but how can we be the father to the fatherless? Tell us about the Alliance. The Alliance is a collaboration of ministries across the country. We're already in 44 states in the United States, and our goal is by 2029 to have a fatherless ministry established in every county in the United States. So Mm -hmm. we all work together, mostly through the church, to basically empty out the foster care systems, to pour into the the local kids that don't have a dad in their life, and for the church just to incorporate that into their uh, everyday mission and their everyday rhythms. So how is this? How did it get started? Where did it come from? Well, we started Outdoor Adventures, which is an outdoor ministry that takes young men and initiates them into manhood. Mm-hmm a backpacking trip and all kinds of fun adventures. And we saw that after many years of doing that, we just saw tremendous fruit. And we started to see other ministries reaching out and asking, hey, how can we do that? And churches showing interest. And I just really feel like the Lord put it on my heart to kind of uh, help pave the way to bring all these like-minded ministries together to start collaborating and uh, to accelerate our mission and our accomplishment. So here are some of the other ministries that quickly uh, jumped on board with you. 
Well, there's one that I, I really, really love. Um, it's run by a guy named TJ Greeny. It's called Kids Outdoor Zone, and they'll come to your church for free. They will train you up on how to have a one Saturday a month outdoor adventure, whether it's going fishing or learning how to change the oil in a truck. And so a men's ministry, it could be as little as three guys, you know, could get trained up to do this, to not only take care of the fatherless in that church, but also to start helping men get involved with fatherless uh, young folks in the community. Well, okay, this brings up an important thing because, you know, a lot of people are listening and saying, all right, you're 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 out there backpacking, climbing all this other stuff. Um, you're you're changing the oil. I mean, first off, hi, where's the gospel proclamation or stuff like that? But even more deeply, you're just doing stuff. But from a male standpoint, doing stuff is doing stuff, right? <laughs> it's important. Uh, yeah, and when we get you know, young men into nature, especially with our program, the very first thing they do when they come onto our camp is they have to uh, dig a hole (laughs) and they have to put their phones into an ammo can and bury their cell phones. And so we remove distraction. We get them into the wilderness to show them God's beauty. We make several bold gospel presentations and we have almost a 90% conversion rate. I mean, these kids, almost 90% of them get saved and baptized while they're out in the woods with us. And so we've kind of cracked the code and figuring out how to reach these young men and, and young women's hearts quickly, um, and most importantly, to introduce them to a perfect heavenly father. Okay, somebody just texted in. What was the name of that a group you said that's part of the alliance that joined up quickly, the that trains? Because somebody asked, that texted in just now, Eric. Kids Outdoor Zone is is one of our equipping ministries. We have seven of them, actually. So we've sort of got an equipping ministry for kind of every scenario, whether a church wants to get really involved with foster and adoption or whether they want to start an outdoor men's ministry in their church easily and with very, very little expense. Uh, we've got really a flavor for everybody. And it's not just outdoor stuff you're doing, obviously. I mean, I've, I went through, you have a pretty exhaustive list of, of various organizations that you're part of that handle things from a variety of standpoints. Yeah, absolutely. We focus primarily on discipleship. That's our, our key. But we also include uh, life skills training. And we also include a frequent outdoor adventure of some kind, some kind of fun activity. Okay. Now, to help people understand this, maybe they're saying it's not that big an issue. By the way, we're talking with Eric Swithin, the Alliance uh, Director for the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. You guys produced, and it is a very compelling video, a movie, a documentary called The Fatherless Epidemic. Uh, Tell us about that because – if there are churches that really want to show the need in their community to their congregation, this would be very helpful. Absolutely. That's what I always encourage people. Watch the documentary, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then if, you, if you're willing, you really feel like he's leading you to do it, show it to your church, show it to your pastors, show it to the men's ministry, and, and then you can get involved. I, I feel like most of the time when people watch it, that's where it leads you know, but ultimately, it's the church's responsibility. It's nobody else's. We can't outsource this to the government. This is nobody else's responsibility. It's our responsibility. And I believe statistically speaking and biblically speaking, this is the key and primary issue in our culture today. This is why America is falling apart at the seams. We can blame a million different things, but it is the destruction of the family. 
And it starts with that. That's what's taking place. And if we don't do something about it, it, this is we're almost to the point of no return. Now, when it comes to those who, okay, there's guys out there who have never been dads for whatever reason. Maybe they never married. Maybe they, um, maybe he and his wife just couldn't. And yet there's a place for them to be a father, isn't there? There's a place for everybody. I, I go to the trampoline park with my kids and there's no dads there. And if there are dads there, they're sitting on the bench and they're on their cell phone. Mm. And, so, you know, be that that change agent, be the example, get out there on the trampoline with your kids and play with all the other kids, too, and get dad off that bench and get him to start interacting and getting on his hands and knees and playing with the kids. You know, if you're involved in your kids, you know, athletic events, you're going to notice there's start paying attention. There's there's dads that are not on the sidelines. And so the kids that that look to the sidelines and don't see a, a father figure there, it, it's heartbreaking because then they see all the other dads cheering for their kids. And so no matter what your situation is, no matter what your background is, like there is a way to just incorporate this, this into your everyday rhythm of life. Just pay attention to those out there that have uh, they're dealing with the orphan spirit. They don't have a dad figure in their life and begin to um, edify these kids, affirm these kids, speak into their lives, be willing to let these kids come into your life and be a part of your family. There's there's varying degrees that you can get involved. They're all important. And if every man in the church would be willing, even if half the men in the church in this country would be willing to get up and do something about this, we're going to immediately see results. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for joining us. One thing I didn't do is give out the website for the alliances uh, for the alliance uh, for um, ending the fatherless epidemic. Now, that is just simply um, fatherlessepidemic.org. And so I, I encourage if you if you've been touched by this conversation and just connect with Eric, uh, because, again, our kids need it. Our kids need it. So, Eric, thank you again for uh, joining us here on Faith Radio. I appreciate appreciate you so much. And if anybody wants to see the film, you can also go to fatherlessepidemic.com and you can watch it there. Oh, okay. So you have the .com as well, and that's where the movie is. Yes, sir. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks again, Eric, for joining us here on Faith Radio. Let's uh, check in with Max Licato. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this week. Now, maybe as you were listening to the conversation just a moment ago with Eric Swithin from the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic, and you're kind of going, oh, I'd like to get other people involved. Of course, going to the website is very important, you know, fatherlessepidemic.com and .org. Either one will work. But also, um, if you want to share the conversations that I had, as well as Carmen, because Carmen back on April 18th talked to Eric, too, about the same topic. And so you can go back and listen to the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com on the Faith Radio app, or if you listen to podcasts on, like, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google. Yeah, yeah, they're there. They're there for you to listen to again and to share. All of Carmen's uh, conversations are there as well. Well, as we look at praying the news, looking around the world, well, at least 11 people killed after Russian missile strikes hit eastern Ukraine. That war rages on after Ukraine uh, yeah, Ukraine recently engaged in a counteroffensive against the Russians. Uh, also, as we go to Africa, this is something to keep in prayer. This is a 
Big prayer concern. Now, some good news. 16 members of a Baptist church in Nigeria have been released after being abducted almost a month ago. Around 40 members of the, I think it's Begay Baptist Church in the, uh, in the Kaduna State province or Kaduna State of Nigeria were abducted by armed assailants of Fulani ethnicity who attacked the church on Sunday, May 7th. The majority of them managed to escape the congregants, but 16 remained in captivity. The Kaduna State Chair of the Christian Association of Nigeria, the Reverend John Joseph Hayab, informed the charity Christian Solidarity Worldwide that members of the uh, members of the local Muslim community actually contributed funds toward the ransom of the payments. So between the church and these friends in the Muslim community, the 16 have been released. But again, the concerns grow over that country's religious divide. Our brothers and sisters around the world, they need our prayers. They need our help. And that's why we are so happy to bring every, every couple of weeks Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News on to keep us informed about what God is doing in the world and how we can be a part. She joins me in about three minutes here on Faith Radio. You know, there's some countries that just seem to go from bad to worse, and many of these are countries, I, I'm thinking right now of Haiti in my mind, that I know so many people have done missions trips to, even though that's become very dangerous as of late, and you just, there's been so much effort being poured into places, and things get worse, but that doesn't mean God isn't doing things, and that's that's what I want to talk to Ruth Kramer about. Uh, she joins us from Mission Network News, missionnews.org, a good place to go. If you're wondering what God is doing in the world, Ruth and her team, are they, they do a great job. I, let's just put it that way. They do a great job. Ruth, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me this morning. You're welcome. Getting back to Haiti, it's when when I saw the headline on your on your website, widespread flooding increases burn risk. I mean, wait a minute, water that's going to put out fire. You're talking burn risk. Explain this. Well, yeah. One. Well, you have an issue with heavy flooding right now that's compounded other flooding that's already taken place, plus landslides because of uh, the the territory. You know the way Haiti is made up, um, and then there was an earthquake earlier this month um, that hit, um, I believe, the southwest side of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had you know disaster upon disaster upon disaster compounding the issues. Uh, you also have a an energy crisis in Haiti, um, so electricity is really not readily available, and so you have people who are basically living um, rough. They're camping basically, and um, they cook however they can. And right now they're cooking inside because it's too wet to cook outside. And if they're cooking inside, there's open flame, and there are kids running around, and that's why you start seeing an increase in burns. Because in the wake of wet weather like this, um, you have a lot of people who still have to figure out how they're going to you know, feed their, their families and eat their next meal. And so they cook indoors with an open flame and children fall into the, the flames. There are accidents like that a lot. Um, people are still trying to find uh, fuel to fill fill the generators. If you can find it, it's usually very expensive on the black market if it's available at all. Um, But uh, then you have fuel that's in these inappropriate containers, sometimes in an open container, and you have issues that uh, result from that. So you have 
you know, something like flooding and you'll see a direct correlation with burns. And for Haiti with Love has a burn clinic in Cap Haitian, which is in the north. Uh, that's, you know, on the direct other side of the country from where all of this stuff with the gang activity is happening in Port-au-Prince. But um, it's not... Uh, I guess, protected from the natural disasters that have had have occurred. And the burn clinic at Friday with Love has actually seen a huge increase mm. in the burns in the days since the flooding began. Um, there are houses that are still underwater. People are still on top of the roofs. And if as the waters go down, uh, when they can get inside, they start cooking inside. And uh, right now, the for Haiti with Love was was sharing with us the difficulty of getting hold of the number of supplies that they need to accommodate the increase in the patients. Um, when you consider a burn patient who comes in or a child who's fallen in a fire or something like that um, needs to come in multiple times before they can be discharged, you know, in terms of care, uh, they have to be uh, treated every day. The, the Bandages have to be treated every day. Jars of silvidine cream have to be used to protect the burns as as the people heal. So you're talking, you know, three, four jars per patient per mm. day, and then multiple rolls of bandages. And you know, this is something that a, a small ministry um, has been asking for help uh, to to meet the supplies on the burn clinic there because the burn clinic. It gives them an opportunity to speak into people's lives. Um, when people come to For Haiti with Love, they know they're coming to a ministry because For Haiti with Love doesn't hide the fact that they are operating from a biblical worldview. They share the hope of Christ with people as they're coming in for just the basics of trying to survive the next day. They have a food program. There's a, a house building program. And so as people come to them for help, uh, the staff at For Haiti with Loves uh, always mindful of um, having an answer for the hope that they have within them. So continue to pray because I wish we could say one day, you know, there there are no problems in Haiti; they're fine. <laughs> but aside from all of the the natural disasters issues, they have no functioning government. So right. it's basically operating like a failed state, and it's being controlled by the gangs that operate in the ports down in the south and um that's they're actually partly responsible for what's going on with the fuel crisis because they're capturing the fuel as it comes in and uh hoarding it basically and they're controlling whatever anybody has in terms of access so that's why black market fuel a gallon of gas costs thirty dollars um if you just extrapolate that a little bit more, you can imagine how difficult it is for hospitals and schools to function without fuel, without lights. Um, so continue to pray for Haiti. It, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We do have partners there um, that are celebrating the fact that God has provided. Transworld Radio's partner in, in northern Haiti in the Capetian area is Radio 4VEH. And despite everything that's happening with the fuel crisis and these natural disasters, uh, God has enabled their voice to keep on uh, being heard. Mm -hmm. They haven't gone off the air at all in the last year in spite of everything that's happened. So God's hand is in the ministry. They are speaking hope and truth into some very difficult situations. Um, radio is a way to bring that to people. Continue to pray for these ministries because they are standing firm. So they're standing in the gap in, in ways that we can't. So pray for them. And then if you if God moves you to come alongside the ministries, I'm sure they would appreciate the support. Speaking about that, because I want to go back to um, from Haiti or from Haiti with love. I, I'm bad with, For Haiti with love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. OK, getting 
those medical supplies into the country. Has that been a problem? Um, because you're saying they're going through the bandages and, and the, the creams pretty fast. So how are they getting more into the country right now? Um, they actually can fly the supplies into an airport up north in Capcation. Okay. So getting the, the supplies up the hill to the headquarters building, they don't run into the same issues uh, in the ports and, and the airports and things like that uh, with the gangs as you would in the south. Okay. Um, so it's much better for them to do that. It's the expense that they're concerned about. Um, and, and people have been generous in trying to make sure that the clinic stays uh, supplied. Um, but, you know, they, they're limited on staff. They're limited on the resources. And it takes time to get stuff down there. So they're always uh, playing the game of how do we make sure that we are ready for what's coming. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things. Ever since the gangs started taking over down south, it has affected ministries up north in the sense that people are afraid to come uh, to go, well, to to visit uh, the, these different ministries. There used to be a nursing school that sent a team of um, of nurses to the burn clinic to assist, to keep them organized, to help them with the patients, to give the, the local staff some respite. And ever since the gang started taking over um, and the issue with the, the government, they haven't come back. So it has been 2018 since they've had a short-term mission chain. Mm, so these are the locals doing what they can. Um, yep. Okay. So Bottom line, if people wanted to get in contact with uh, from Haiti with Love and support them, what's the best way? What's their website? I guess I could, I'm asking. Um, if you, well, we, we've got a, a link through our website, so okay. you know, go to missionnews.org, look for the story, and you'll see the partner uh, that's highlighted there for Haiti with Love. There's a profile page there with their contact information. There's a phone number. Their headquarters uh, in Haiti's in Cap Haitian, but they also have an office in Florida. So when you're calling that number, you're going to be calling somebody in Florida. Okay. That's good to know because, again, I know a lot of people have heart for Haiti and have been on trips there and just want to do what they can to help out. Tell you what, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, Lebanon, another one of those places that just is one we've talked about so many times, Ruth. And it, it, it they're right now in the midst, even today— uh, in the midst of an election for a new president, but there's other stuff happening there as well we want to highlight. So we'll continue with uh, Ruth in just a moment here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive? Or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. 
This is Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen today. I'm Paul filling in, and Ruth Kramer has uh, joined us again, as she does every other week. You can find her and her team at missionnews.org, and they cover a lot of the, well, what God is doing in the world and the needs of the world that... God's people are trying to fulfill. Now, one of the nations, Ruth, that we've talked about many times is Lebanon. And, okay, first off, today is their election day for president, right? Well, kind of. I mean... Kind of? Explain. <laughs> <laughs> well, the parliament will, is set to meet today to okay. choose a new president. So the election, actually, you know, where people vote, that's for parliament, and then the parliament chooses the president. Um, ah. But that process has already failed 11 times since last year. So they have been without a president since the former president, Michel Aoun's term, expired and he stepped down. Um, and they haven't been able to get the different sides of parliament to uh, come to a unified decision on picking a candidate. So today they're supposed to come in and, and choose a candidate. Um but really, most of the the folks that we've talked to, there are political experts involved as well. Nobody really has faith that they're actually going to succeed today. Mm. Um, the issue behind that is they have to pick a president so they can get a, gar- a government in place so that they can get a bailout loan from the International Monetary Fund. The IMF is saying, you guys have to stabilize. You're very dangerously close to becoming a failed state, and we're not going to dump money into it until – you guys get your stuff settled. Um, and so they have to get it together, but they haven't been able to get it together. And the concern is that Hezbollah will muck up the elections mm. by refusing to participate, um, in which case they have been known to cast blank val- uh, bank, sorry, blank ballots just so that they are they're like abstaining from the process, which fouls the whole thing up and it fails. Um, so there's a concern that Hezbollah might do that. The issues of the types of candidates that that are available for president um, follow kind of the it's not I don't know if I would say it's constitutional, but there have to be uh, candidates from certain parties that are represented. So the president has to be from the Maronite Christian faith Um, and um, the deputy speaker of parliament and the prime minister positions are held by Greek Orthodox Christians. The armed uh, forces chief of uh, the general staff house has to be Druze. So you're talking different minority groups that are supposed to be represented in government, but the candidates are not pleasing to everyone as a whole. So there's a lot of disunity. And with the whole influence of Hezbollah being thrown in, there's a lot of concern that Hezbollah eventually could take over. Um, and that would make Lebanon a proxy state of Iran, which the Lebanese do not want. So there's a lot of concern uh, about what's going on today. Um, I think right now for the ministries that we that we are in contact with, our partners that are in Lebanon, they're just kind of shrugging their shoulders and they're saying the government's going to do what the government's going to do and it probably won't work because it's all corrupt anyway. So they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Yeah, and basically everything is broken. We need a miracle. Um, And then they go back to reminding us of 2018 when believers gathered in a public way and uh, and came together in prayer just prior to when like all the massive demonstrations started really taking hold in Lebanon. And they were asking God as a body of Christ, like all these churches were coming, hundreds of churches are coming together into the city squares and praying and asking God to shake the nation. Mm. So they remember 
2018 saying, okay. God, shake the nation. We need to be shaken. And then this stuff happens. You know, you've got all of the crazy stuff that's been happening with the government, 276% inflation rate. You know, your your uh, unemployment rate is through the roof. You have no working government. Everything is just falling apart. Then you had 2020 and the port explosion. Ocean, yeah. You know, all of that stuff happening. You had an ongoing issue with COVID spreading through the refugee camps. And all of these ministries that are acting as the hands and feet of Christ are meeting the needs, are meeting the needs, and they're <laughs> saying, God is shaking the nations. God is doing a new thing in Lebanon. He's raising up a body of Christ, and he's bringing to us people we couldn't reach before. So it's so kind of one of those, kind of yeah, one of those you, careful what you pray for, but be ready to act. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, they're tired. Because they've been dealing with an ongoing crisis, trauma, accumulated trauma um, for years, you know, since before 2020, Mm -hmm. at least, um, when you started seeing things really unravel was in 2019. So it's been four years of constant uh, uh, high, high stress situations where um, ministries are trying to really pivot at any given time to meet the needs that are still coming to their doors. Um, And it's exciting because at the same time, you know, a lot of these partners have made connections with with believers who are well-resourced. So it's not just the United States. It's, you know, throughout Europe and and in other places where um, things are a little bit more stable, they have found partners who can help providing the financial situation so that they are a little more insulated from the hyperinflation that is running away right now in Lebanon. Um, but you have a situation that is very complex because, yeah. you know, what you negotiate in the morning, by the time you go to pick it up, the price has changed. Um, and that can make things very challenging. So as you, you're talking about this, this is a neat story, though, because I, I have a side story on this. Yes, um, It's not always heavy and hard and, and, and things like that. Well, I mean, it is, but... Um, this is this is one of an example of a ministry that decided, you know what, we're just going to do it. God has resources to do it. They were looking at everything in terms of accumulated trauma and said, the kids are losing their childhood. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to play. They don't know how to have fun. Everybody in their life, all of the adults in their life are weighed down with the heaviness of what is happening in their country. And um, we're, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to throw a party. So they have organized a sports summer ministry where you have different teams that are are participating. Like you've got basketball, you've got soccer, you've got dance teams and just different things like that that are um, like little leagues uh, that they're putting mm-hmm. into place. And yesterday, the ministry, um, uh, Heart for Lebanon, not Heart for Lebanon, Triumph for Mercy Lebanon, uh, basically had the launch party for all of these summer teams. And they brought all the kids in. They had a massive party, gave them their uniforms that they're going to compete in, gave them their shoes, their equipment, and um, had cake. You know, there was music, there was celebration because kids need to play. They need to let off some of the stress and the steam of what's going on here. And it kind of was like a, a day camp. You hear about these day camp programs that are ministries where kids can come and be infused with hope because that's what's really important here. They had they were infused with the hope of the gospel, with the hope of Jesus Christ, and they take it back home. And as they take it back home, they start injecting that into their family discussions and the families become interested mm-hmm. and they start coming to different things, whether it's church services or ministries or just some of these tea circles that start happening with women of the community 
who are also of faith. And these discussions open up doors for gospel opportunities. So continue to pray for the ministries in Lebanon. They are tired, but they're, you know, they're in search of creative wisdom and and they're thanking God for what he has done for resourcing so they can do things like have a party. I got to encourage people, go to missionnews.org, find the article. It's uh, The headline is Summer Party Rejuvenates Kids in Lebanon. Look at the picture of the kids. Look at their faces. <laughs> they look like, oh, finally, a break. I'm excited. I, I get it. It, it. Again, thanks for covering that, Ruth. Uh, just got a few more minutes, and um, I'm trying to think. Because we could talk Iran. That's going to take a while. Stuff happening there. I can Actually, can you summarize it in two minutes, uh, what's happening yeah. right now in Iran? Well, we've been talking about the diplomacy issues with Iran and Saudi Arabia, and the concern is there that uh, you've got uh, Sunni and Shiite that are cooperating for the first time in like 20 years, um, and that's good, but it also means that the West and all of the influences from um, the more democratic side are being shut out of the conversation, which means that there's no oversight over human rights abuses. Mm. And that's one of the concerns because there's been so much persecution of the body of Christ. It It is difficult to speak into the conversation when you don't have – you haven't earned the right to be heard. Um, so the ministries that are there are just saying continue to pray. Um, there are they're, – they're, they're really working with creative ways to, to share the story of Jesus Christ in – uh, in the in in Iran, which has seen uh, a mass turning away from Islam itself, because they're very the younger generation is very disenfranchised with what is happening politically speaking, and um, we got another ministry partner who's using the story of Esther to open those conversations because Esther that that whole story took place in Iran, so mm. they're saying here's biblical history that that we share. So let's talk a little bit about who Esther was, why she's important, and then that leads to a discussion about who God is and where he is and and why he sent his son, and that becomes a gospel opportunity. Hmm. Again, find all of this and so much more at missionnews.org. Um, I love the story, too. We don't have time for it, but about this Ugandan mom starting a restaurant, and she's been doing this through the help of a ministry that's training her on biblical principles for doing business. I mean, if we're going to help communities thrive, if we're going to help families thrive and Christians thrive, well, and help their countries thrive, this is a good example of how it can be done. So, Ruth, thanks again for uh, joining us here on Mornings with Carmen and uh, just keeping us informed. Thank you for having me. Now you're very welcome. This is Faith Radio. Uh, summer travel season. Maybe you have some big plans to uh, take your family a long distance someplace. Hey, I'm Paul, uh, filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. I saw something this morning because I know airfare can be a really big thing, but there's a trick called skip lagging. Have you heard of this? Skip lagging is where, okay, say you're trying to get to Denver, but a direct flight from your city to Denver, or at least your closest airport to Denver is more. But if you were to take a flight from, say, like the Twin Cities to L.A. with a stopover in Denver, which would be a cheaper flight, you go to Denver and skip the rest. That's skip lagging. It's 
I don't know if the airlines like it, but it is a way a lot of people are learning to save money. Well, again, I'm Paul. Thank you for listening uh, to Mornings with Carmen. Remember, all the shows are podcasted as well. You can always listen later if you miss any part or want to hear it again. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.